Turn with me to Psalm 86. Psalm 86. Psalm 86 is a psalm of David. It's a psalm of David as a troubled man. And uh, he was facing many things in his life, but he noticed something about the Lord. He tells a lot of things about the Lord. And one of those things is that God is good. And that's what I want to speak to you about this morning, that God is so good. Psalm 86, follow in your Bibles as we read. Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plentiest mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplication. In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great, and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord, my God. With all my heart I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. O God, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul, and have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant and save the son of thine handmaid. Show me a token for good that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed because thou, Lord, hast helped me and comforted me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that You've given us your word in troublesome times. We know, Lord, that we can always trust you and we can always depend upon you. And if we see it as you tell us in the scripture, Lord, we can always have a positive outlook because we know that you are in control of everything, that ultimately your will will be done, and that you're greater than evil, and, Lord, that you will work everything out together for good to those that loved you. We just thank you, Lord, for who you are, And I pray that you might bless the message today. Use it to remind us that you're a good God. And if anyone is questioning that today, Lord, I pray that you might correct their thinking, that they might know that you are good. So bless today and use the message to speak to our hearts. If there's one with us who's not saved, may today be the day of salvation for them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure that many of you have come to church today with troubled hearts over the condition of our nation, and also over the events that are taking place in Ukraine. We are troubled about our nation because it is evident that we are weakened morally, we are weakened politically, and we are weakened in our standing before God. Morally, we are weakened because officially as a nation, by Supreme Court decisions, by legislative decisions, by presidential pronouncements, and by public practice, We have approved that which God calls sin. As a nation, we've approved abortion. 
and it's sin. We've approved adultery in so many ways, and it's sin. We've approved fornication, homosexuality, transgenderism, dishonesty, deception, and we could go on and on about these, but we have sinned. Those things are sinned, and we have sinned by approving them as a nation. Isaiah 5, verse 20 says this, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. It's a bad thing when you call evil things good and good things evil, and that's what our nation has been doing. When we reject God's design and God's commandments, we weaken ourselves and our nation. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, verse 34, Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So we are weakened morally as a nation. We're also weakened politically as a nation. We are weakened politically because, we, because our leaders have rejected God's word and no longer fear God. And this isn't just something recent. This has been for years. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Recently, we've had even more of a, of a deterioration in this politically. Refusing to call evil to evil has resulted in, in weakened families, weakened society, and we see that our society is weakened because we call evil good and good evil. We have softened on crime. We have, sh- we have shortened jail times for people, even though they deserve to be in jail. We've, rele- we've released hardened criminals, and we've defunded the police, and there's a drive to defund the police. It's becoming less popular, but it's been very evident in, in our country. We've weakened our borders and let uh, criminals come in. And uh, we've let them come in, and many times uh, we don't know who they are, what they're doing, and what they're up to. And uh, we've had people come from other countries, and uh, they have, uh, have backgrounds that are very questionable, and yet they're released into our society. Why? Because as politically, we've just weakened our stand, and we let those things go. We also become weakened in the sight of, of, of other nations, we're not using a firm hand uh, with, uh, with enemy countries such as Russia and uh, uh, China and Iran and those, those countries. Also, we've uh, reduced our capabilities of producing oil, and we've made ourselves very vulnerable because of that. I don't know if you understand. I imagine most of you do. We, we stopped the production of oil in our own country, and then we gave approval for it over there so our, it, so our allies are, are buying oil from Russia and we're buying oil from Russia and we've made Russia, Russia strong because of that and we are partly responsible for what's going on in Ukraine because of our actions. You see, our nation has been weakened in so many ways in the sight of God, in the sight of other nations and we, we are a, a, a nation that I believe is standing in the place where we're probably going to receive the judgment of God. In our standing with God, we've become weakened because God is the one who said righteousness exalts a nation and sin is a reproach to any people. God said that. So when we uh, forsake righteousness and we glory in our sin, then we're setting ourselves up for uh, a fall. God honors those who honor him. God blesses those who obey him. God has blessed our nations because of the freedoms that we have in our nation, and those freedoms have been used for many years. 
as a, a freedom to preach the word of God, to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to establish churches, to do benevolent works for the Lord, uh, to support missionaries who spread the gospel across the world. Uh, those things have been because of the freedoms that we have and that God has given us, but we are misusing those things. But when God sees our nation drifting further and further away from its founding principles, rejecting the word of God, and flaunting our sin, we stand in, in the place where we have a bad standing with God. And I really don't know today, I don't pretend to know what's going to happen to the United States. I know the United States is not in prophecy. Specifically, it's not mentioned there. As great as our nation is, it must be by the time of the tribulation period that something happens when our nation is not that prominent. And that's taking place even today. We're becoming less prominent. We're becoming weakened because of our sin. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know this. If we continue down the road we're going as a nation, we're becoming more ripe all the time for the judgment of God. And so that's where we stand as a nation. We stand as a weakened nation. And then when we were, trouble, we were troubled today, not only about our nation, but also about the situation in Ukraine. The country of Ukraine has been invaded by the, by the wicked, evil Vladimir Putin and his Russian military. A small country has been attacked by a huge country, country with no regard for its sovereignty and no mercy for its people. Pure evil is on the march and we are troubled by what we are seeing today. But in our reading this morning in Psalm 86, we find that David also was troubled in his day. He was troubled as a godly man. The Bible says in verse 2, he refers to himself, to himself as holy. That means he was a godly man. You remember God tells us to be holy for he is holy. So he was a godly man. The Bible also says he was poor and needy, verse 1. If you look at your psalm there in verse 3, he says he was in need of mercy. Verse 4, he was troubled. Verse 11, he was fearing God and he desired to walk in the truth. In the bad times, he still wanted to walk the way the Lord wanted him to walk. He still feared the Lord. He was praising God and glorifying his name in the midst of his trouble. He was being attacked by proud and arrogant or violent men in verse 14. And he was asking for strength and salvation or deliverance in verse 16. So in the midst of trouble, David, the man of God, was crying out to the Lord for the help that he needed, and he was trusting the Lord. But in the midst of his trouble, he also recognized who God was. He had a proper view of God. I want you to look in the psalm, and I'm going to point out some things. They won't be in... Uh, chronological order as I give them to you, but here's some things that David said about God. Verses 8 and 10, he says he was great and he does wondrous works and no one is like him and he's the only God. He's the only God. It says in verse 9 that he's the one who made all the nations. You know, there is only one God and that one God commands everybody to worship him because he has the right to do that because he made all nations. And so David, in the midst of his trouble, recognizes what a great God he served. And he says he's the only God, and he's the one who made all nations. It says in verses 5 and verse 13 that he's a God who's ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy. Verse 13, he's the one who delivered him from hell. We can say that today if we're Christians. 
thank the Lord that he's good. He delivered us from hell. We don't have to worry about that. We're not going to hell. Praise the Lord for that. He's a prayer answering God. Verse 6 and 7, David recognized that. He was a God who is full of compassion and gracious and long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Verse 15. Then also he said of God that he was a God deserving of praise and glory. Verse 12. And then he says, I think it's a summation, but it's in verse 5 of, of, of something about God, and that is God was good. God was good. And so David, when he was troubled because, uh, because of the proud and violent men that were against him, he, he was encouraged by the fact that he recognized that God was all these things we mentioned, and ultimately God is good. So I say to you, regardless of the condition of our nation and regardless of what's going on in Ukraine and other parts of the world, regardless of the evil that's taking place, God is still good. And you shouldn't question that. God is still good. Today, let's allow the Lord to encourage us in our troubled hearts by the truth revealed in Scripture that God is good. Let me mention some verses that mention that uh, specifically, Psalm 73, verse 1, truly God is good to Israel. Psalm 52, verse 1, the goodness of God endureth continually. Deuteronomy 30, verse 5, the Lord thy God will do thee good. James chapter 1, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That means, that says that good gifts from, come from a good God. God is good. Exodus 34, 6, the Lord God is abundant in goodness and truth. Psalm 33, verse 5, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And then Psalm 107, verses 8, 15, 21, and 31 all say the same thing. And it says this, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his, and his wonderful works to the children of men. If you've come today and you're discouraged or you're downhearted and you've come to the place where you think that God is not good to you, then you are wrong. God is good. God is good. God's a good God. Sometimes things happen in our life. Sometimes there's turmoil in our family. Sometimes things happen that we don't understand and we can't imagine how in the world can a good God allow this and we're tempted to think God is not good, but it's wrong. God is good. God is always good. God's never been anything but good. God is good and he's so good to us. Let me give you some ways that we can see that God is good. First of all, the goodness of God is seen in his character. The goodness of God is seen in his character. If you have any questions about whether God is good or not, you have to understand who he is and what his character is. Let me tell you some things about his character that show these good. Number one, he's holy. You remember Isaiah 6, the seraphim said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Holy, 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 thrice holy. He's a holy God. Holy means set apart. He's totally set apart from everybody else. Nobody like him. Holy means he's set apart from evil. There's no evil whatsoever in the Lord. The Lord has never thought anything wrong, never did anything wrong, never contemplated doing anything wrong. God is holy. He is totally holy. He's also true. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, God is true. There's no falsehood in God. John chapter 14, Jesus, who is God, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God is true. He's always true. He's never false. He's never deceived. He's always true. God is true. 
God is also faithful. That means he will do exactly what he says he'll do. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful. Lamentations 3, 23, great is thy faithfulness. The Lord has never failed, never has. He's never failed you. He's never failed me. Whether we think he has or not, the Lord has never failed. God is faithful. God is good because he's faithful. And also God is love. The Bible says in 1 John 4, verse 8 and 16, God is love. And how true that is. God is love. Husbands have a, have a command from the Lord. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. God is love. Think how the Lord loves the church. We don't deserve it. Sometimes we act in ways that God doesn't like, but God still loves us. God loves the church. And we as husbands are to love our wives that way. Because God is love, he wants us to love. So God is a loving God. So God is good because of his character. He's holy. He's true. He's faithful. He's love. God is good. Also, God is good because of the care of his creation. The care of his creation. The Bible says in Colossians 1 verse 17 that he holds everything together. Are you wondering whether God is good? Let me tell you, God takes care of his creation. He holds everything together. Colossians 1.17 says, By him all things consist. That means they hold together. That's explained in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Upholding all things by the word of his power. Why do the planets not run into each other? Why does the world not just explode? Why is that? Because God holds it all together. The Bible says that God is in charge of the universe. He made the universe, and he'll never relinquish charge of the universe. God is in control. Many times today, these uh, climate uh, uh, alarmists talk about climate change. It's interesting that a few years ago, they talked about global warming. You don't hear them saying that much anymore because they talk about global warming and a guy's there to give a speech about global warming. It's the coldest day on that, that it's been. And they don't understand it. So they changed it to climate change. And they're all alarmed about climate change. You don't need to be alarmed about climate change. Nobody here or anybody else listening, nobody needs to be alarmed about climate change because God is in control. You see, the Bible told us, God told us that this earth would, uh, would change and uh, there would be things that would wear down. The Bible says in Psalm 102, verses 25 and 26, Isaiah 5, 51, verse 6, and Hebrews 1, verses 10 through 12, God says this, the earth and the heavens wax old like a garment. They wear out. The Lord says, I made it, and I believe God made it about 6,000 years ago, but he said it's wearing out. And so we can, we can, we can uh, expect some change. And if you want to call it climate change, that's all right. It's called God change. And God says it's going to wear out, and the day will come when he will wrap it up. Nobody else will. We will not destroy this planet. We can't. But God will. He can, and someday he will. And will it be global, uh, global warming at that time? You better believe it will because he's going to burn it up with fire. And so God's in charge. And God is good, and we see that in his care of his universe. He takes care of it, and it all runs like clockwork. Well, really, we should say our clocks run like universe work. <laughs> you know, we set our clocks by that. And so it all runs because God's in control. He's good. He's a good God. He also cares for those that he made, uh, the earth that he made and those on it, because he provides for them. You see, for life to be 
to be had and to be enjoyed, you have to have sunshine and you have to have rain. You have to have both of them. Sometimes we'd like a sunshiny day, day and God sends the rain. I'm so glad that God controls the weather and not me or you would be fighting about it. But God controls the weather. And so he sends sunshine, he sends rain. We need both of those things. Uh, God uh, says, we know that, God, that man and animals require oxygen. We require oxygen. And so we have to have oxygen to breathe. God gave the oxygen. Plants, what do they require? They require carbon dioxide. And they had taken the carbon dioxide, and guess what they produce? They produce oxygen. We take in the oxygen, and guess what we produce? Carbon dioxide. Now, who set it up that way? God did. Why? Because God is good. You've got a man who curses God, doesn't want anything to do with God, lives a reprobate life, and says there is no God, and yet God is good to him. He has the sunshine and the rain, and he gives him oxygen to breathe and all of that. God's the one that keeps his heart ticking, and all of that, God's in in control, and God takes care of his universe. God is good. As far as the soil, plants require uh, nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium, and guess what? It's there in the soil for them to, ha- to have. Why? Because God provided that. And then ultimately, what's that good to us? Well, we have food to eat. And if you like vegetables, that comes because God gives what's necessary to produce those vegetables. If you like uh, to eat meat, that's because God provides that meat. You see, we owe it all to God, and as the Lord says, without me you can do nothing. But we know that God is a good God because of the care that he has for his universe. But then there's another reason we know that God is a good God. And that is the goodness of God is seen in his crucifixion and his resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. A good God loved the world, which was sinful, that he gave his son to this earth so that, and sent him to this earth so that he could die on the cross for our salvation. And so on the cross, he was crucified for us. The sin of the world was laid on Jesus. He suffered, he bled, and died in our stead because of that. He did that for us. God is a good God. Doesn't matter how bad things are going in your life, God's a good God. He died for you. He took your sin upon himself. He died for you. And so he's a good God. And then he rose from the grave. It wasn't enough that he just be that he died for our sins. He had to resurrect from the grave. And that was proof that he had paid everything. And so and so he did. He rose from the grave. And then he sent the message, the gospel message, so that other people could hear about it. I often call the gospel the second best gift. What Jesus gave his son, that's the best gift. He died for our sins. That's the best gift that God could give. The second best gift is the gospel. Because if you didn't have the gospel, you wouldn't know about what Jesus did for you. And so the day came in your life where you heard the gospel. Wonderful gift. It was the message about what Jesus did for you. And you trusted that. You believed in Jesus. And you trusted him as your savior. And you're saved today. And you have all the benefits of that because of what Jesus did for you. God sent you the gospel. And so we see the goodness of God when we see what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. He died for our sins. He rose again the third day. And then also the goodness of God is seen in his compassion to the believer. You, if you're a believer today, you should never have a day in your life when you're, whether you, where you question whether God is good. It should never happen. Because God is so good to you. 
and God's so good to me. Let's talk about the compassion God has for believers. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, he gives you forgiveness. That means all of your sin is paid for, and the Lord's never going to hold it against you. He forgives you. He forgives you of that sin. That's a wonderful blessing. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, just to be forgiven, it doesn't matter what happens in your life. There should be nothing that make you say, God's not good, because God is good. He forgave you of all your sins. Also, with that forgiveness comes redemption. Redemption means release by the payment of a price. When you trust Jesus as your Savior, He releases you from the bondage of sin because of He paid the price, His blood on the cross of Calvary, redemption. You receive justification. Justification means declared righteous. God the judge stands, and you stand before Him. You've trusted Jesus, and the Lord makes a pronouncement. He says, I declare you to be righteous. Somebody who knows you might, if they could talk to God about it, they might say, now, Lord, I disagree with you. He doesn't look righteous to me. You know what he did yesterday? The Lord says, I declare him righteous. Why? Because all that sin's been paid for. And God can declare us righteous and treat us as such because everything, every sin has been paid for by Jesus Christ. And we've accepted that. We've accepted him as our Savior We are sanctified. That means we're set apart unto him. We belong to him. We are adopted as God's children, sons of God. And because we're sons of God, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I mean, that's, that's pretty good to be an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Everything God owns, I own. It all belongs to me because he's my father. And so we, we, we know that God is good. Also, we have eternal life. That means nothing can take us away from the Lord. We have eternal life, everlasting life. It'll never end. And we'll, we'll live forever and ever and ever with the Lord someday. We have eternal life. And that guarantees our, uh, our existence with the Lord forever and ever. Not eternal death, which is hell, but eternal life, which is being with the Lord. We have the promise of, home, of a home in heaven. We have the revelation of our future. The Lord tells us about our future. Someday we're going to die, and if we die, uh, we're going to go to be with the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord. If we're here when Jesus comes back, we'll not die, but we'll be raptured up, and our bodies will be changed, and we'll become young. We had the privilege today of hearing from uh, Sister Jean. She sang to us. I love to hear Sister Jean sing. I know it comes from her heart. I remember that song from years ago. It is no secret what God can do. Gene is uh, adding years every year. Same thing you're doing. (laughs) Same thing I'm doing, adding years every year. We all get older at the same rate, one day at a time. She just started a little earlier than I did. (laughs) But uh, she's up in years now, but she's still singing for the Lord. But someday you're going to meet Gene, and she's going to be that beautiful lady that she was, at, she's still beautiful, but she'll be that, that young beauty she was and about 30 years old in heaven forever and ever and ever. And if you know Jesus, all that's ahead of us. We're going to be with the Lord. We're going to be young forever. As I said, you're approaching the ideal age, which is young, forever young with the Lord. All of that we have. Now, you take all that and all those things that the Lord gives us, and you say... Uh, Can we question God's goodness? No, you can't question God's goodness. You shouldn't because God is good. All this you have from the Lord. He has has been so compassionate for you as as a child of God. 
and someday you're going to be with Jesus. Don't ever question his goodness. And then also the goodness of God is seen in his continual dealing with the unsaved. His continual dealing with the unsaved. Let's think about that for a minute. How does God deal with the unsaved? Well, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 20, he deals with the unsaved by giving them evidence all around. They look out and see creation. And creation shows that God is great, the greatness of God. And they, the Bible concludes that because of that, they're without excuse. Now, how often do they have that witness? Every day of their life. As long as you're living, if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, as long as you're living, all you have to do is look. And there's a witness out there that shows God is great and God is good. And he's providing for you every day. And that witness is testifying to you of your need of Jesus. But many just reject that. They turn it aside. But God is good because of his continual dealing with, with the unsaved. He also deals with us by sending the gospel. Many people have received the gospel. They've heard the gospel over and over again. Because the Lord has made us, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, as believers, we're ambassadors for Christ, and we tell everyone, be reconciled to God. And so many people have heard the message of the gospel. And if you're not saved and you've heard the message of the gospel, God is good to you because he's been dealing with you. He's been giving you the gospel, giving you the message so that you can be saved. And if you haven't trusted Jesus up to this time, then uh, you're without excuse. But then there's another thing. Also, God has given the convicting of the Holy Spirit. And I remember before I was saved, I was convicted for years about trusting Jesus as my Savior before I ever did. And I imagine you, you can say as well, when you trusted the Lord as your Savior, there was a long time before that God dealt in your heart over and over again. He was long-suffering. He, was not, he did not want you to perish. And he dealt with you, but through the Holy Spirit. And God does that today. And you might be here today as an unbeliever and you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. I don't care what bad things have happened in your life. You cannot say that God is not good. Because the bad things that have happened in your life are all because of sin. Either your sin or somebody else's sin, somebody else's failures. It's all because of sin. It's not because of God. And God is good. He's dealing with you. He's, he's ministering to your heart. He's convicting you. And he does that continually. And it just shows that God is good. And he does that over and over again. There was a question raised in Second Peter about the Lord coming. And some uh, mocker said, oh, but we, we've heard about his coming for years. He hasn't come and insinuated he never will. And the Lord explains it like this. He says, The Lord is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why does God keep dealing with you? Why does God keep dealing with others that need Jesus as their Savior? Because he's a long-suffering God. He's a good God, and he wants people to come to repentance. And so the Lord is a good God. He's very good. He's a God that we can trust because he is a good God. You see, no circumstances of life, any of the fa change, any of the facts that we've mentioned about God's goodness today. God is good all the time. As we often say, we answer that all the time, God is good. 
God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Whether you're a Christian or not, God is good. Whether you're happy or you're sad, God is good. Whether you live in the United States, Russia, Ukraine, or any other country, God is good. God's goodness is seen all the time through these things. His character, he's a good God. His care of his creation, he's a good God. His crucifixion and resurrection from the grave, he's a good God. He did that for you. His compassion to, to believers, and he's been so good to us as believers, but also his continually dealing with the unsaved shows that God is a good God. The question is, are you going to be mad at God? Are you going to blame God? Are you going to cause your, make your problems look as if they're God's fault? Or are you going to recognize the truth of the scripture that says God is good? David was troubled. He was troubled because violent men were after him, men who hated him. But in the midst of it all, he said, God is good. I encourage you as Christians today to just stop and say, I need to count my blessings. Maybe you've been overburdened with all kinds of problems this week or this past week. And uh, you begin to think that God is not good to you. I want to remind you something. God's always good. And if you don't think he is, then your mind is messed up. Your thinking is messed up because God is good. And if you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior, you need to come to know the Lord today. He's a good God. But he's also a just God. And if you keep going against him and you will not trust him and you come to the place of death, the Bible will say, that you go out into eternity lost forever and ever, separated from the goodness of God and be experiencing the wrath of God forever and ever and ever. God is good, but God is also just. Don't spurn his goodness. Trust him today. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for reminding us that God is good. Lord, we know you are. You've been good to us. Forgive us as Christians, Lord, sometimes for becoming disappointed, discouraged, and even depressed over the fact that things aren't going well in our life. I pray that we might realize that God is good. The problems in our life are caused by sin, either ourselves or other people. And Lord, I just ask that you would help us to be convinced even more than ever that you're a good God. And if somebody here today has never trusted Jesus, I pray that today they will come as we sing the invitation song. They'll come to trust Jesus as their Savior, recognizing that you're good. You died for them. You want them to be saved. You want to change their life. You want to help them. And I pray that they'll come to you today. We pray in Jesus' name.